Chapter 15, Gospel of Luke, and chapter 15, we'll start with verse 11. Remember, Jesus, this is the third parable that He gives here. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and then the parable of the lost son. And as I have uh, contended with you uh, over the past two weeks that we've been looking at this, now three, uh, there's really two sons in this parable. We often forget the, the elder, the latter son mentioned here. Notice these words from Jesus as He gives this very famous parable of the prodigal son. And He said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me, <clears throat> excuse me, and be and, and he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living, or in prodigal living. And when he had spent everything, <clears throat> a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into a field of pigs to feed them. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And so he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and everything that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and now is found. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. 
Your Word that comes to us in a language we can understand, in stories that we can feel. Lord, may Your Spirit this morning make alive Your Word to our hearts. For the author of these words here truly is living. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was the elder brother. That was my life. I did what was right. I followed the commands. I was obedient to my parents. Whatever they told me to do, the big stuff at least, maybe not folding clothes and this and the big stuff, I obeyed them on. I trusted my dad when he told me, don't get involved with drinking. Don't get involved in the party scene. Don't have sex before marriage. Don't use foul language. I obeyed that. And yet, what I found in my heart at the age of 17 was resentment. Anger at those around me who seemed to be enjoying the benefits of sin. I found in my own heart death and sin that I too was sinning by being judgmental and by not wanting to celebrate the coming home and the homecoming of those who were deep in sin. I found myself at 17 having to lay down my good works, my reputation, my testimony, and count them as nothing. That's a tough thing to do. When you've built something yourself, when you've protected things for years, to have to lay those down, it's a scary place. As, you, as some of you know, I'm actually at a retreat this weekend, and it started Friday night with a foot washing uh, service, and we'll go through uh, Monday evening. Um, it's actually 32 girls who are at the retreat. I'm one of the spiritual directors with a whole team of people, and they take people through this flight, as it's called, from being a caterpillar to being in the cocoon today to flying with Christ tomorrow. One of the talks dealt with uh, this subject here, of having faith in God and not anything else, not works, uh, not what you can do, but instead in God. And, and one of the questions on the questionnaire as I was helping lead a group um, asked this question, and I was struck by it, and I don't say this pridefully by any means because it's not, it's not mine to say, but the question was, have you ever felt alone and that you couldn't go to anyone to talk to, that you had no one in your life to talk to? you ever felt that kind of loneliness? You know what? I couldn't answer that question. I never have felt at one point in my life, not for one second in my life, that I didn't have anybody to go to. I'm not talking about God. I'm talking about my father, my dad, my mom, my brother, my mimo and pappy, my mamaw and papa, my friends that I had made. And it struck me in a humbling way because that has nothing to do with me. It's not like, oh, I'm a big guy and I don't need anybody. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I've always had somebody in God's church to go to. 
I always knew that my father would accept me on any terms, no matter what I did. Not many people have that. You can create that for your family. What an amazing gift that would be to give to your children. To have a strong enough marriage to where they don't question it. To have a strong enough family that no matter what they do, how far they go into sin, how deep they go into the wilderness, you're looking for them. You're running to them. You're ready to forgive them. Not resenting them. Not anger in your heart. But instead welcoming a celebration. Preparing a table for anyone that would come. You see, for me, the Lord had to break me. Just like the elder brother here. You're one of the two here. Either you have lived a lavish, as we talked about, prodigal means lavish. Either you've lived a lavish lifestyle where you're just spending on whatever you want, doing whatever you want, going your own way, and you find yourself empty one day and wanting to return home. Or you're the elder brother. Both of them respond to their father. Both of them are cared for by their father. Both of them, he loves them. Can't you see in the text? He's looking for that prodigal son, the one that's lost, the one that's dead. And he runs to him. But notice this, when the elder brother refuses to go to the party, what what does the father do? He goes out to meet him. God will meet you wherever you are. He'll meet somebody like me who was a selfish eaten up person inside who was only concerned with myself. And He'll also meet you who have tried to drink from the table of the world. Eat from the hand of Satan. He receives us back in. If you'll only come. If you'll come back home. He is a good Father. That's what, this, that's what this parable is saying to us about the Father. And as we talked about last week, the Father loves you. He is in love with you. He has provided everything. Both these boys were provided for. One squanders his living. The other is living still under his Father's provisions. And both of them have a wrong relationship to their Father. One wants to get away from Him. And the other thinks that he deserves what his father has. You notice his response when the younger son comes home? This son of yours, not even referring to him as his brother, has squandered your property, your stuff on a bunch of prostitutes. Harlots. He's mad. I can feel his pain. I know that pain of watching everybody else go out and do their thing and knowing that they're doing wrong and me sitting at home knowing I was doing right, but I had anger in my heart. I hated it. I wasn't loving God. I didn't have the joy of the Lord in here. But when I was 17, God broke me. 
I was on my face before Him, laying everything that I had ever done before Him. And truly, every single person must come to the end of their self. I don't, it doesn't matter who you are. If you've been good or if you've been bad. You must come to the end of yourself and only see Christ. If you rely on self, in the end you'll get yourself in hell. Because that truly is what hell is. Being with yourself for eternity. God will give you what you want. But it's not what we need. We know we can't provide everything. We know we can't save us. Heck, we don't even like us sometimes. If we're honest, we get tired of ourselves. We get tired of our own junk. We surprise ourselves sometimes about how forgetful we are. Or in my case, how dumb I am. We really know we're not the answer. And He's calling us if we'll only listen. He's looking for you to come home. And if you're already here in the church, if you're already doing good, don't resent those ones who are coming in. It's time to celebrate, He says. The table is open for all people. This is God's meal that He provides. It's not mine to give, to refuse. But instead, it's Christ's own body and blood that He lays down for the world. And as He's dying, He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgiveness is tough. And yet, Christ is our example. And He forgives. Do you have anger in your heart? Are you serving God just for the benefits? Do you see Him as as kind of an adult Santa Claus? That's how I thought of God for a long time. You know, I do this for you, and you give me something back. That's not grace. He is pouring out His grace. And there's nothing we can give Him but ourself. That's what He wants. Just like my children, my wife, they, for whatever reason, they want me. They don't want me just to buy them donuts and leave again. Like i got to do today. Instead, they want me to be back home this week. They want me, not just my gifts. We try to bring our gifts to God to prove something in order to gain something. What He wants is us. Time with us. Space in us. He wants to take up residence in us. What a powerful thought that is. And yet it's a reality. (laughs) That's why it's called good news. Because it really is good news. He can forgive you whatever you've done or whatever you're harboring, or whatever you're holding on to, don't you want to be able, don't you, don't you want your kids to be able to one day grow up and say, you know what? I can't say that I've ever truly felt lonely. Having nowhere, no one to talk to, nowhere to go. I'm telling you the truth. I never felt that once in my life. Because my parents were honest with me. No matter what you do, son, I'm going to be here. Only God can make someone that faithful. 
closer than a brother. My brother basically saved my life when I was going through a breakup in college because all he did was help me. And yet Jesus, through him, was helping me. Isn't God good? Hasn't He provided much for you? Are you angry at Him? Are you trying to get as far away from Him as you can? Come home. And if you're at home, if this is your home, and you have resentment inside here, if you're doing the works just because you have to, and not because you love Him, He can fill your heart with love so that your works aren't just rotely done just because they have to be done but instead done out of true love for the Father. He wants you. (laughs) He tells his older son, look son, everything I have is yours. You're always with me. We're not told the elder son's response, but his father gives him the true response, and that is, it is time to celebrate. My friends, it is time to celebrate. This meal that has been prepared for us is Christ's way and token, sign of His grace. That He has poured out in His sacrifice for us as He bled and died. The Romans were professional killers and they made sure he died. He had a real death, a horrific death. It was illegal for Roman citizens to be crucified because it was the worst kind of death. You suffocated naked, nailed to a tree. And yet, he went there because of my jealousy because of my anger, because of my self-centeredness. And He nailed that, praise God, to the cross forever, as Paul says. It died in me because of what He did. Praise be to God. And He offers His own body to us. For truly, His body is the only thing that saves us. He has a body in heaven. Right now, He's praying for us as He sits at His Father's right hand looking for some of you to come home. Wanting others of you to really fall in love with the Father. Because all the persons of the Trinity, you know, they point to each other. They defer to the other. The Holy Spirit, He's pointing to Jesus. Jesus, He's pointing to the Father. And the Father is pointing to both His Son and His Spirit. No person of the Trinity is selfish. Instead, they're only giving. And this is why He gives us this meal today.